Well, welcome everyone to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again as always is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in this game because he's always the same. That's me. That's me. And before we get into the Islanders thing, I have to make a correction. You know, last week we had a brief discussion <laughs> on TJ eating octopus, and he made a statement so ridiculous and incorrect that he actually flummoxed the grumpy old man, where <laughs> the grumpy old man forgot <laughs> what octopuses are made of. Or what, they have, what, what type of anatomy they have of the, as their body. Yeah, it's where TJ, right up, right off the top, and like I said the grumpy old man did make a mistake, but it was only because TJ was so insanely incorrect that I was like, what the hell are you talking about? He brought up that, you know, that octopuses have legs and tails. Well, I originally said I was eating the octopus and their tails, like the suckers on their tails get stuck in your teeth. And I didn't, I, I forgot they had tentacles. <laughs> and then That's I was like, right. what do they call them legs? And I'm like, yeah, you're in agreement, legs. And I was like, something didn't sound right. And yeah. after I listened to it, I'm like, yeah, they most definitely have tentacles. <laughs> yes. And like I said, I want to apologize. But like I said, TJ, his response was so was so ridiculous that I got sucked into it and I just want to apologize because I know it's tentacles. And, but when he said tails and legs, I'm like, what the, and I, like I said, I was totally flummoxed because we do do this live and you know, uh, there was no corrections except when TJ stops a podcast halfway through because he makes a simple little mistake. I'm just like, let's go with it because I think they make for the best shows and so I want to apologize to everyone for not saying tentacles, which I knew they were tentacles. TJ had no idea. He thought they had tails. I mean, octopuses have tails. Like I said, that just threw me off. Now, TJ, let's get into some Islander news. There is some hockey news going on, and there is some Islander news going on. Uh, yeah, so- most most importantly, I guess you could, we'll, we'll talk about the Nassau Coliseum situation. Um, looks like the Islanders may have played, again, officially their last game in Nassau Coliseum. At least the way things are looking right now is uh, the owners of the Coliseum are in debt and keeping the doors open right now, or it's financially not making sense for them. And I and we'll talk about this kind of in depth, grumpy old man. But as of right now, at least the rumor is that Nassau Coliseum will not be open next year for the New York Islanders to play their home games. Yeah, um, you have to want, and I mean I can understand it from a business point of view. If they're actually losing, you know, they say they're a hundred million dollars in debt. And they don't want to bring the Islanders in or what they want to just shutter the building till they can find some type of investors. Good luck on that. Uh, Or, you know, the cynical side of me says, is this just a power play to perhaps get some money out of the Islanders or the NHL, uh, you know, so they can offset some of those losses and let the Islanders play there since, you know, they was going to tentatively be just next year. They play all their games at the Coliseum. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the same exact thought process I had, grumpy old man, um, because it was officially moved to where, yes, next year's season was going to be 100% played at Nassau Coliseum, which made Islander fans very happy. Uh, Fort never lose, you know, you know the history behind the Coliseum. And it's it's a very obvious as well that the attendance is much higher at the Coliseum, despite it being a smaller venue than it is at Barclays Center. So more fans do go to the games at the actual Nassau Coliseum. I mean, that's that's the home of the New York Islanders. It's not Barclays Center or anything like that. Um, I think you're kind of right, Grumpy. And I look at it in a few different ways. 
right now the tenants they had would have been the Islanders in that G League team. I cannot remember the name of the team. Um, and I'm sure I'll get somebody to, to trash on me in the comments. But is, it bas- is, that, is that basketball? Is that basketball? Yeah. So it's like the feeder league of the NBA. Who cares? Imagine like triple. Exactly. They don't bring in a lot of state. They don't bring in a lot of seats in the stands, and they don't make a whole bunch of money off of those games. So I I think what we're seeing right here is I think the owners number one are in a little bit of a in dire straits. They're in hard uh, financial stress right now and what we're seeing is they want to go ahead and strong arm to where they could earn a little bit more whether that be from the nhl or the actual new york islanders organization i think it's more from the islanders organization um i think they want just a little bit more of a cut of that of that pie i mean covid 19 has probably obviously hit them and hurt them to a certain extent but if they shut at the doors look at it like this they're already 100 million dollars in debt the property tax on on that building is insane um, number one, number two, you're not hosting any events in there, just keeping your lights off. You're still losing. Um, I, for them, for them to just go ahead and say, "Yeah, we want to go ahead and shut the doors all together," doesn't make sense. Um, I, I could believe maybe after this upcoming season, sure, if they want to shut the doors, I can understand that. There's nothing really tied to the to the stadium that really will bring in the substantial amount of money they need to keep things operational. Um, but with the Islanders there, at least they're able to keep their head a little bit above water. I mean, they shut the doors. That's that. I mean, think about how long it takes those big, large pieces of property in New York for an investor to come along and say, yes, we're going to go ahead and buy that area, just like they did with the new Belmont Arena. Think about how long that land was sitting vacant. Yeah. Essentially a parking lot sitting vacant for years. Yeah. Years. Yeah. The problem that they're going to have is it's a 50-year-old building. I mean, you know, those are just facts. I know they did some renovations, but it's a 50-year-old building. Uh, you know, they lose out on concert, you know, everything, you know, with the coronavirus, they've lost out on a lot of, you know, concerts that they were held there. And absolutely. But like I said, the biggest issue, it's a 50 year old building, um, you know, so I don't know how much you're going to get out of that. I think you're right. I think that property is going to sit there for quite a while. Um, but like I said, my thing is, I, I was wondering if they were just trying to milk some money uh out of the nhl or the islanders to get them to play there next year or maybe they just said you know what this thing hit us too hard no sense throwing good money after bad trying to make something work we're just going to close it down um you know which is fine i don't think it really affects the islanders much at all uh they were one more year and then they're going to be in belmont uh which is supposedly uh running on schedule and ready to go for not this the upcoming season but the season after uh so you know, so you play a year at Barclays. You know, I know the fans don't like it. They've never warmed to the situation. The players don't like it. Uh, but it's just one more year. Now, that being said, their record is actually pretty good at Barclays. Um, well, shockingly enough, this season, their record has not been great at Nassau Coliseum. And, I mean, you can pencil that into to a slew of different issues. I don't think it's specific to the actual arena. But you did mention a few things that I 100% agree with in that last statement, Grumpy Old Man. Nassau Coliseum is, let's be honest, I know they put a Band-Aid on it, but for the most part, it was a dump. And we love it, and it's our, you know, it's our home. But in the same token, when you're looking at the state-of-the-art the state of the art arenas and stadiums that they're putting out these days, Nassau Coliseum just didn't compare. I mean, the lines for those bathrooms were unbelievably long, too. And I, I understand you're going to have a real difficult time trying to find investors saying, yes, we want to actually go ahead and run different events in this Coliseum in the future. Um, 
if you're not able, it's it's really just the land. I don't think that the Coliseum, if they do go ahead and shut the doors, will ever be holding any type of events in any capacity anytime soon. I really don't. I think now it's just the land. That's the most valuable actual asset for the Nassau Coliseum, um, especially if they don't keep the doors open. Yeah, well, that's a short, honestly, that's the short sightedness of the politicians in Nassau County going back years and years where um, Charles Wong wanted to do the lighthouse project there, have everything centered, you know, do a full rebuild on the Coliseum and put the businesses in there. And, you know, politics got involved and that never happened. Uh, and now that's kind of what you get, what you get. And like I said, it was short sighted, uh, in my opinion, for the uh, Nassau uh, the Nassau County uh, politicians at the time. So now you you lose the hockey team, you lose all the revenue that a project like that would have brought into your uh, into your area. You lose I a job, you lose the construction, you lose a lot of different things. Yeah, it, it was foolish. And I will say this much: now Charles Wong, not the greatest owner of all time, but I do feel a little bad that, of course, it was after he died and he didn't get to actually see his you know his idea and what his vision was for the New York Islanders to come to fruition. I do feel a little bit bad. Hopefully he's looking down in heaven. He's able to see that. But that's one of those things where you're just kind of like, man, oh, I wish you would have been able to see that or or to see at least the construction really start and, you know, shovels in the dirt. But obviously, you know, with his really sudden tra tragic passing a while ago, he never really got to see that. And that's just one of those things where it's odd how that works out. Yeah. I mean, you know, Charles Wong takes a lot of abuse and for me too, I'll be honest with you, um, you know, for not running the Islanders the right way, you know, hiring Milbury, not cutting ties with him and then with Snow, keeping those guys there forever and ever uh, was not good for the hockey team per se, but he was loyal. Uh, and let's be honest, without Charles Wong buying the Islanders, they would have moved. They would not be the New York Islanders. They'd be, you know, the Kansas City whatevers or the Quebec whatevers or the wherever whatevers. But they would not be the New York Islanders. And that would have been, honestly, uh, a worse fate than what's currently happening. Oh, I agree. I mean, there's, there's no arguing about it. Charles Wong saved the New York Islanders by buying that team. And, and what he did and even, you know, setting up that deal with the Barclays Center kept them on New York, kept them in New York to a certain extent. Um, so, you know, he he always had the Islanders as a whole, uh, their best interest in mind, given, you know, there's nobody's perfect um, when it came to, to personnel decisions. I don't think he was the best in certain regards, especially hockey personnel decisions. But in the same token, there's no arguing that that man did literally everything he could to keep the New York Islanders in New York. And um, it's, you know, it's a shame that, of course, he didn't get to see uh, – his idea or his original idea and thought process come to light, but, you know, kind of getting back to the Nassau Coliseum, I do agree grumpy old man. I think um, if they do go ahead and shut the doors, I don't know if it's just, you know, a power move. They're trying to strong arm them. I think it probably is that more than anything else. Doesn't make sense. That land is going to sit there for a substantial amount of time. And when the Islanders are there, if you can go ahead and increase, yeah, you know, you bring in, let's say on average 1000 more fans, a night at the Nassau Coliseum than you do at the Barclays Center. 
and the tickets are more expensive at Nassau Coliseum. The atmosphere is more electric, helps you win games, whatever. Whatever they're trying to use here is a bargaining chip. If you're bringing in more people, maybe they want to go ahead and get an increased piece of that pie because they understand that Barclays Center won't offer them the same exact financial uh, revenue that the Nassau Coliseum would. So maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. Like I said, it has no bearing on the Islanders at all. I think the, the league would certainly broker a deal with Barclays. So, I mean, I, I, to me, it's a non-story. Um, it's more it of a story for the fans than it is for the actual organization. Yeah, I think yeah. this impacts the fans more than anything else. Right. And again, we're a podcast of fans for the fans. <laughs> so, right. I mean, like when you're talking about the organization, though, again, I sure, maybe they got to drive a little bit further. It's a little bit distance away. Um, but in the same token – the atmosphere won't be as electric, which the players love, but the amenities will be a little bit nicer in Barclays than they are in the Nassau Coliseum. Yeah, but the Islanders' record in Barclays has really been good. So, you know, uh, you got to look at it that way too. I mean, that, that there's your trade-off. Maybe there'll be a better team on the ice playing at Barclays for that. Game. <laughs> we can only hope, Grumpy old man. We can only hope. Uh, and last podcast, Grumpy, we were kind of talking about, you know, the cap situation and what it would cost to sign back our four big restricted free agents, ideally. And, you know, Sorokin would be included in that um, if he's able to sign that entry-level contract deal for the remainder of the season, if the NHLPA wins their dispute. Um, and now, Grumpy, we've been doing a little bit of digging and research as to maybe what some of these moving parts could go ahead and yield us in a trade. Um and, and what players probably would be the best candidates to move here for an actual trade. I know that it is it's, – it's a complex situation because no matter what you say and suggest, there's always going to be a different solution or avenue that might be as fruitful. Um, but before we kind of even jump into what some ideas might be, Grumpy Old Man, you saw – I believe it was a rumor of what the Islanders were offering or had to offer to go ahead and, and get Zach Parisi back at the trade deadline. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, honestly, I never heard this this level of detail on it. I know it was Parise for Ladd in essence, but then when, what I heard this week is that it was Ladd, uh, first-round pick, and Kiefer Bellows for Zach Parise. And I'm just going to say, I'm glad they didn't make that move. I mean, Zach Parise is just as old uh, as Andrew Ladd with a longer-term deal. I mean, yeah, he might be a better player right now, but it's like you got to be cra- – I, I thought that was insane. Like I said, I, like I mentioned last week, and I'm going to say it again, if you want Andrew Ladd gone, you're, gone you're, if you have to give up a whole lot of assets to get him off your team – I mean, I don't know where you'd move him to. I mean, you have to look at teams that are bad, who have cap money, who are in full rebuild. And I'm not uh, – I wouldn't want to give up first-round picks or anything like that. I mean, to me, just buy him out. I realize you only save $800,000 a year for the next couple of years. But it's better than five and a half. Get them off your books. I mean, okay, grumpy. We've we've talked about this. I and again, I don't want to rehash this back up because we were discussing it. I think ad nauseum last podcast. Doesn't make sense to buy him out. Well, um, if you're saving, if you're saving money, it is worth it. It's not like he still counts that against your cap. 
And if you can trade him and get rid of the full cap and not have that tied to your team and organization for the next four to five years, yeah, it would make more sense to have well, him three more a round pick. It's only three more years. If you buy him out, it extends. You're oh, wrong. Okay. So okay. you get you get the chunk. You get the chunk of it for the first three, and then on the latter three, you have to go ahead and pay that remaining eight hundred thousand. Again, it's not a huge hit on the back half, but still, that's you know six years now. You're spreading out his cap over. Okay, so you'd rather give up first round picks and players then to get five and a half million dollars off the cap? I wouldn't. I, I, I don't, don't, listen, listen. I don't want Zach Parise back. I would have no issue at all if we gave up a prospect and Andrew Ladd and got virtually nothing back in return. I'm talking about some career AHL guy that's going to make zero contribution if we were able to free up the cap. We okay. have young defensive prospects in our system. And again, I don't know. We're going to have to figure out what teams value what. But I, getting Zach Parisi was a non-starter for me. I didn't even want him if he was just a straight-up trade for, for Andrew Ladd and Zach Parisi straight up. I didn't want it. Zach Parisi commands more on the cap. He turns 36 in July. And he's got a longer deal, and he absorbs more of the cap space. I didn't want him to begin with. So to hear that that the that the rumor was that the New York Islanders suggested, or that that the Islanders would have to give up Kiefer Bellows, a first round pick, and Andrew Ladd for Zach Parisi, made me almost quiver in my seat with how poor of a trade that would have been for the organization. Yeah, I mean, but look what look what Toronto had to do with Patrick Marlowe, who's an infinitely better player, even at this stage. Of uh of his career and only had one year left on his contract, they had to give up a first and a seventh round pick to San Jose to get rid of him. I mean, so what are you going to have to give up to get rid of Andrew Ladd? First round picks and a top level prospect. I mean, you'd be willing to do that. I'm not saying to bring anybody back, but I I mean, our organization is not deep enough where we could be offloading first round draft picks and uh you know. Our, some of our top prospects. I I just now, don't when you say infinitely better, grumpy old man, we're talking about the same Patrick Marlowe who's put up twenty points, uh, twenty points last season, right? I mean, like I infinitely better. I wouldn't say that. I think he's better than Andrew Ladd. Um, but when okay. you're looking at when you're looking at Toronto Maple Leafs, they were in a way different situation than we were. We have abilities and players we can also offload. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs, based off of the players they tied huge amounts of cap to, they really only had one or two options of players they can move. The Islanders have options of players that they can move. It's not like they have to move Andrew Ladd or they have to move this player, they have to move that player, and that's the only way their situation can work out. They have guys like Komarov, Johnny Boychuk. There are players that they can move on their roster and organization. It doesn't have to just solely be Andrew Ladd, despite I think that Andrew Ladd would be a prime candidate to move. Yeah, but th those guys are in the same boat as Andrew Ladd. They're aging guys with ridiculous uh, term and contracts. So you're going to have to give up to get to get rid of them. It's the well, same. I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't say that about Leo Komarov. I mean, he's got what three years left on his deal, or is it two years left after this year? After this year, is it two years left, Grumpy? I think it's two. Uh, I believe it's two years. But he's, he's but three million. Three million per. Yeah. I'm just saying that's not that's not going to be as hard as it is to move as a guy like Andrew Ladd or Johnny Boychuk. Three million is really doable for a team that is rebuilding, and he's a good locker room guy, and he can play on the bottom six, and he can teach the young players what it's like to be in the NHL. I think Komarov is a more easy piece to move than Andrew Ladd. He might be an easier piece to move, but Andrew Ladd, but you're going to have to give up to get rid of him because of his age and the fact that his skills are diminished. Johnny Boychuk is the same thing. I mean, he's got how many, two more years left on his deal after this one? I mean, he makes $6 million per. Who wants? You're going to have to give up. Yes, you're gonna have yes. To give up. yes, Grumpy. You're going to have to give up. 
young prospects in our organization in order to get rid of some of these guys. Yes, I've come to terms with it. I don't like it, but I understand it's what's going to have to be done. I mean, Nick Letty, we can pencil him in is hopefully as good as gone. His defensive play was not terrific this last year, and maybe you're able to pair up a guy like Nick Letty um, and able to get some draft picks, and you're able to trade those draft picks to somebody else in a package deal with a Comroff or, or an Andrew Ladd. Hopefully you're able to do something like that in the ideal scenario so you can limit how many prospects are going to hemorrhage off of your off of your organization. That That's an ideal situation in my opinion. Yeah, it's an ideal situation, but remember, you, you have to deal with other teams. Are they interested in that? Right. I mean, honestly, if I was looking at the Islanders defense, to me, the most the most marketable guy, the easiest guy to move would be uh, Scott Mayfield. He's got three more years after this one at one point four five million a year. I mean, that's that's the type of guy where maybe you can get something back. Maybe you'll have need to offload him to get rid of a boy, Chuck, or to get rid of an Andrew Ladd. You're going to have to give up a quality player to, to get rid of that salary cap. So Nick Nicoletti, I think, you know, he's a top, pretty much a consensus top four defenseman in the NHL. I think it's fair enough to say he's at least going to yield you back a second round pick. If it's just Nicoletti in a trade to a team, I think that's your bare minimum going to get at least a second round pick. Not even including a possible prospect to a certain extent. I have no idea. But you're going to get some sort of draft capital that you can use and leverage in a trade when you're trying to offload a guy like an Andrew Ladd, a Johnny Boychuk, or a Leo Komarov. I'm not saying that's going to make the deal completely, but it's going to help sweeten the deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, but you know what? It seems like they love Nicoletti. They seems like they absolutely love him. That's to me. We can say all these things, but has this franchise shown? Any inkling to want to get rid of veteran players? Well, I think you're right. But in the same token, I think it comes down to a point when you look at the cap situation. Moving a guy like Scott Mayfield doesn't tick the needle enough on the cap space-wise, where moving a guy like Nick Letty would help tip the needle a little bit. I think a guy like Scott Mayfield is even more pertinent to the New York Islanders because he has so much cap certainty for you know three years at one point. What is it? One point five million, roughly a year. My God. That guy helps keep the damn team afloat because he's so cheap, right? And he's a guy who is a borderline top four guy. I mean, he's top six nonetheless. But in the same token, having a guy like that in your team really helps boost that defensive core, and he's cheap. Yeah, but that's why I'm speaking about other teams. If you're another team and you see a team that's in cap trouble and you're like, oh, okay, you want to get rid of Nick Letty. Well, you know what? Uh, We want Scott Mayfield as well. To take some of these, uh, some to of move these Nicoletti or or whoever. I what? mean, I, okay, okay. Nicoletti is not. You're not going to have to sweeten the deal to move a guy like Nicoletti. You might have to sweeten the deal a little bit to move a guy like Leo Komarov. You're going to have to sweeten the deal a lot to move a guy like Andrew Ladd and Johnny Boychuk. I will agree with that. But in the same token, there are a lot of other teams in the NHL that are going to be in the same or similar situations of the New York Islanders this season. Before the coronavirus hit, we were expecting at least a $4 million raise in the salary cap. And with that happening in the salary cap, in all likelihood, it's going to stay the exact same. There are going to be a lot of other teams that are now going to be facing the same exact scenario as the Islanders. So being proactive is extremely important. I can't stress that enough. Being proactive and being one of the first teams to make sure you hit that market and help establish the market is pertinent. Yeah. And I, I just, I just don't think that we, that this uh, current regime has shown any interest in moving any of the veterans. I, they want to bring veterans in. They don't want to get rid of veterans. Just thinking about the, even, even the thought process of moving Andrew Ladd, 
Kiefer Bellows and a first round pick for Zach Parise? I mean, it's just uh, to me, it's just nonsensical. Well, did uh, you not did you did you not notice, Grumpy Old Man, that we were making almost an all out push to win the Stanley Cup this season when you traded a first round pick? I, I think was it just a first round pick for Jean Gabriel Pacheco? No, it was a first and a second next year. Okay, so you gave up a first and a second and a for Jean. A first was it a third? Third two years from now, something like that. I okay, don't you gave up you gave up significant draft capital for your third line center and John Gabriel Pajot. You gave up a second round pick for a guy on a on a one term deal, Andy Green, a thirty seven year old defenseman. Does it really shock you that Lou Lamarillo was thinking about again selling a ridiculous amount of prospects and draft capital for a going to be thirty six year old? Well, he was thirty five at the time, but he's going to be a thirty six year old winger in Zach Parisi, who has an unbelievable amount of term and cap that's still tied up for for a significant amount of years. Does that really shock you? I, that when I heard that, I whew, my gosh, Grumpy, I cannot describe. When you told me that, the feeling I had, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. That was a draft rumor. That was a trade rumor. And if that rumor is true, oh, my gosh. I, the game has passed Lamarillo if that was even close on his radar of making that trade. Because I I told you before, I didn't like the Jean-Gabriel Pajot trade as much as others did. I didn't like the Andy Green trade. And if we made that trade, oh, I would have given us an F- on the trade deadline. Yeah, well, see, that's my whole point. They have shown absolutely no inkling of trying to trade older players. They they want old guys on this team. And to think that – and I'm going to tell you again, if they thought that adding those guys was going to make us a Stanley Cup contender, contender they're delusional. Um, and I still feel that. The team needs a reboot. It needs a reboot. It's a team of old veterans. We're the second oldest team in the league. We need to get younger. I mean, and the only way you can get younger is by – getting rid of the old guys any way that you can, I guess, but we don't have anyone in the, we don't have anybody in our system was ready to step in. Uh, I, I disagree a little bit. I do. I think next, okay. If we're looking at next year, what's ideal scenario. I think your ideal scenario is next year. Noah Dobson is, you know, your bottom pair. He's on your bottom pairing defenseman. I think he's ready to step in. I think he's a guy who needs to be given a chance. You know what? <laughs> We have so many different defensive pieces, and I like Sebastian Ajo. If you're not going to play him, trade him. He does no good for your organization where a young man like himself who has performed in the AHL, who had performed to a certain extent in the the NHL, for him to sit down at Bridgeport. It does him no good. Go ahead and move him. I I don't know what they think exactly about Bodie Wild. Remember, he was demoted from Bridgeport because there was so much depth, he was moved back down to juniors. So what does that say necessarily about their thought on him? Maybe it was just because they had too much depth on the defensive side of the pocket Bridgeport and he wasn't getting enough minutes, so they wanted him to play a little bit in juniors. But where does that tell you about his development as of right now? He's not ready. Yeah, well, for him, remember he had the high ankle sprain going out of camp. That set him back. Um and, you know, I don't mind him playing back in juniors. He's, what, 18, 19 years old. The whole thing for him was to get him ice time. And if he wasn't going to play, you know, top four minutes in the A, send him back. I mean, and he did well back in the back in the juniors. And, and I don't and I don't mind that either. I'm just telling you, where's that? Where does that tell you what the organization thinks about where he is as a prospect right now? Not anywhere close to ready is what it tells me. I mean, Parker Weatherspoon, maybe he's a guy who's ready. Might be, he might be ready to step up in some capacity. Uh, as much as you don't like him, you always have a guy in the reserve spot like a Thomas Hickey who can step up. I mean, Thomas Hickey, 
he still got a, quite a bit of, of cap still. I mean, not a lot, but he, he's got cap tied to him and some years still left on his contract for a guy who's a glorified uh, number seven defenseman in an organization, not even really. But, I mean, I could definitely see a guy like Oliver Wallstrom maybe getting a hopefully a legitimate chance to play next season. There are guys I'd like to see getting a legitimate chance to crack the lineup next season, like a Kiefer Bellos, like an Oliver Wallstrom, like an Otto Koivla. I want to see those guys getting a legitimate shot to make the NHL roster. Yeah, I don't I don't see any of that happening, honestly. And I also don't see Noah Dobson uh, playing on the – I think you're going to see next year Noah Dobson is going to start the season in the A. They want old guys on this team. That's what they want. They want old veterans to run this defensive system on this team. They don't believe in young players. I mean, they've come out and said it. We'd rather have guys be more than ripe on the vine before we bring them up. I, I think it's foolish. I don't think it says anything about Bodie Wild as a prospect to touch on your other point. I mean, did you really think he was going to come in and make the uh, make the NHL with a, a roster like that? Absolutely not. I mean, I said, and I'm going to tell you again, I think that injury really hampered him. I just thought he was going to receive a little bit more of a chance. And again, I don't watch enough Sound Tiger games to speak uh, fully on this one. I just thought he was going to go ahead and receive a little bit more of a chance at Bridgeport. Um, because again, remember, they, they had some injuries down there. I mean, Mitchell Van Sample went down at the beginning of the season, wasn't able to play at all. We had injuries to our defensive core. We were calling up you know, NHLers. And I mean, Thomas Hickey was hurt for the majority of last season also. So we had a lot of injuries on our defensive side of the puck at Bridgeport, and he still really wasn't able to find his groove. Well, he was hurt too. I mean, that's the whole thing. He was hurt at the beginning of the year too. But remember, we have a glut of defensemen down in the minors as well. Yes, we do. Even though they had a couple of guys who were hurt, they still were loaded with talent down there playing on the defensive side. And like I said, I, I'm good. I'm just feel that that injury really set him back. And I had no problem with him going back to Saginaw. And uh, I mean, next year, I think he'll be back up with the A again. I feel we need to move some of that young defense uh, to me. And, that, and I, that's and that's what I'm saying, Grumpy. And I didn't want to get lost, you know, in the thicket. I didn't want to get uh, lose the sight of the forest for the trees. Um, and that's my point. A guy like Sebastian Ajo, if you have no plans on him playing up in the NHL or being a number seven defenseman next season, move him. It, those type of players like that that, are, that have played some NHL games and are ready to go ahead and actually earn their time in the NHL, if you're not going to play them in the NHL next season or give them a legitimate shot, you need to move them. Use them to help sweeten deals. Right. If you have no plans at all to go ahead and move or you have no plans to play them, you have to utilize them for what their assets and their capital actually are. Uh, yeah. Like I said, for me, though, I'd much rather move the guys on the NHL roster. Yeah. And I think they're going to they're going to have to move up quite a few players off the NHL roster. We're going to have to see some sort of moving and shaking unless they don't resign back any restricted free agent, which isn't happening. There's going to be some moving and shaking done. And this is what I'm saying when we're doing that. The team needs to actually look at who's going to be in the future as the play next season. And if a guy like Sebastian Ajo is not going to get his chance, he needs to be moved. You can't just leave him down there in Bridgeport. It's criminal to the young man, and it's criminal for the organization and the management of that player. Yeah, for me, I'd rather move Letty and move Sebastian Ajo up. He's younger. He has cost certainty. And how much do you really lose? I mean, you know, that that's what we I have. Think, I, think, I think they are going to move Nick Letty. Remember, you still have Johnny Boychuk. You still have, again, like I, I've seen players saying maybe they might bring back Andy Green for a year to have him pair up with a guy like Noah Dobson. I think Dobson hopefully will be up with the NHL roster. And this is something for us more to talk about after this NHL playoffs 
and everything like that. But there's a lot of guys that have to move. And if you're trying to move one of those bigger pieces that have a lot of cap tied to it, like a, a Johnny Boychuk or an Andrew Ladd, throw in a Sebastian Ajo or somebody of that ilk if you're not going to use him, and he can help sweeten the deal. That's what I'm hinting at. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like I said, I, I like Ajo. Maybe I just like Ajo a little bit better than you. I'd much rather use uh, move a Mitch Von Sample or a Parker Witherspoon or even a Bodie Wild. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like a guy like Bodie, and that's what I was saying. I'm like a guy like Bodie Wild. Maybe they're not very high on him anymore after they saw what he's got at Bridgeport. Maybe they think he's a little bit away, and maybe that's a guy where another team or organization might value higher than the New York Islanders, and they could go ahead and make that trade work. All I'm saying is, you have so much of a glut of young defensemen that are now starting. They're ripe. If you're not going to move them and bring them up to the NHL, you have to trade them. You don't like. You don't want to have an entire team of borderline NHL defenseman playing in, at the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. That's something you don't want. Yeah, I guess that's where uh, – I guess as far as I'm concerned, you move out the old guys and let the young guys move up. I mean, that's 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 what I would do. I, I mean, you look at – we have nice young players who played. You got Pulak, Pellick, Mayfield, and Taves, right? You got Dobson. Everybody else – I, I – Every other defenseman is eligible to move. Okay, I mean, and I got that, but you're not. I don't think you're picking up what I'm putting down right now, Grumpy. I, uh, you know, ideally, if we can get rid of all the old trash on our team that's tied to huge cap space, and you know, is definitely on the latter half of their career, and we're able to give them up for virtually nothing, I would do that also. But that's just not that's just not plausible. So what I'm saying is, if you have to go ahead and pair a guy up, a younger defenseman in our prospect and system up with a guy that is tied to cap space and quite a few years left on his deal, like a Johnny Boychuk, I would have no issue with it. I just don't think it's plausible to think that we'd be able to get rid of a guy like Boychuk or a guy like Ladd or Komarov without putting a younger player in to help sweeten the deal. I just don't think it's possible. Or teams are going to want draft picks as opposed to players. And that's my point. When you trade away all your draft picks for years and years, it's really tough to go ahead and, and to make a leverage point with, oh, I'll give a third-round pickup. doesn't really tick the meter all that much, in my opinion. Right, but if you move if you move Letty, that opens up a spot for Aho. See, because they're both left-handed defensemen. I, you know, I don't believe in playing. I mean, Johnny Boychuk obviously can't play the left-hand side because when he was teamed with Dobson, Dobson was the guy who switched. He wasn't Boychuk. So, I mean, and that's only if Johnny's on the team. Like I said, I do everything I could to move him. For as much as he's meant to this franchise, his time is done here. I mean, he makes too much money. Maybe a team. Uh, maybe a team like Ottawa or Detroit, who have a lot of ca- a lot of cap space and a lot of young defensemen, maybe they could benefit from his leadership. Of course, you wouldn't get anything back, but just just that cap money. I mean, yeah, that's, honestly, that, that's the most important thing the Islanders have. I don't think they really care about what they're getting back in return when they're trading away, quote unquote, one of these toxic assets that have a lot of years still left on the contract and are tied to a lot of cap. So. Moving them off the team is really what you get for the trade. It's not what you get in return. It's the removing of that player off the organization. I agree. I agree. I mean, and I'll be interested to see what Lamarillo does this offseason. He's going to earn his money this offseason. He's either going to show he's going to show that he still has what it takes, or he's going to show that he has completely lost it. It's one of the two. Um, and based off of the trades that I've seen at the trade deadline and I, I'm not sure how close Lamarilla was to executing that deal. Hopefully, he wasn't really even entertaining that thought. Hopefully, that was far away um, from what he he was actually going to be willing to give up for Zach Parisi. But um, 
hopefully he hasn't lost it. And we're going to see this offseason for sure. Uh, but Grumpy, today is Sunday, and it is Father's Day. And I want to wish you a happy Father's Day, as well as all the listeners out there of the Never Say Die podcast. We probably should have started with that. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> yeah, we should have. You know, but you dropped the ball on that, just like you dropped the ball on the what octopuses are made of. Well, you, you went ahead and took it and started running, Grumpy. You took it and started running, and I was like, okay, fair enough. And and we jumped one thing to the next, and we started talking right about the Nassau Coliseum, and here we are at the end of the podcast now finally getting a happy Father's Day in. Yeah, well, that's on you. I mean, because you're the guy who runs the podcast, okay? And uh, I just mentioned the octopus thing, and then you jumped into the Coliseum thing. Not me. You did. You didn't say happy Father's Day until we are all the way done. Uh, so that's on you once again. Oh, grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. Well, I'm happy I remembered it because I was about to wrap things up and you probably would have forgotten with your with your advanced age, grumpy old man. But I right. take, another, take another cheap shot of me. That's fine. That's I've fine. got you. You're coming at me, grumpy. I'm riffing with you. That's how it Horses works. Horses have hooves. Horses have hooves, by the way. They don't have tentacles. I'm just letting you know. Fair enough. I didn't think they did, but now I know. Now I know that horses have hooves. I'm um, here to help you. Comes up in conversation. I will need you there as a consigliere and a consultant of animal anatomy in the future, Grumpy. Thank you. As long as you don't say anything so ridiculous where I'm like, you know, it's like my, it's like my, it's almost like uh, I had to reboot my brain after hearing the, your ridiculous statement on octopuses having tails, uh, tails and legs. It was the tails even more than the legs, the tails. I mean, that just threw me off totally. I have to say, it's like <laughs> everything shut down, need a reboot. Ah, grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. Well, thank you for being a part of the podcast as always. Is there anything else you want to kind of add in before we wrap things up? Mm, no, I'm happy that – oh, well, yes, I did actually. And I can't believe that you did a blow-by on this. The NHL did come out with, uh, you know, phase four of the return to play, which I actually thought was pretty interesting. Uh, the qualifying round is looking to start on July 30th which is you know a little bit more than a month and a half. They're going to have a training camp that lasts approximately two weeks and one exhibition game. Uh, and this is, you know, nothing is set in stone, but this is what was leaked. Uh, there was a New York Post article who mentioned this. Uh, there was also a 30-player training camp roster, no limited goalies, and a 28-player tournament roster uh, with no limit on goalies. Uh, they're also going to do some type of coronavirus test every other day. Uh, I predict that people will test positive for coronavirus. Most certainly they will. I mean, that's just anything that's going to happen. As soon as you try to put people back out there, they're going to get it. But, I mean, we're seeing other sports where people are testing positive. I don't know how serious their symptoms are. Um, but eventually that's what's going to have to happen. So well, you're seeing all these college football players. And again, I, I was going to talk more about this next podcast. And I think that's, you know, if there's no other news, that's kind of what we'll cover. Um, but you look at even these football teams and these organizations that are returning back with their quote unquote optional workouts, which are mandatory summer camps, essentially for those young men, uh, they get them in close proximity. It's like, oh, wow. Now 14 Alabama players have confirmed positive for COVID-19. Oh, wow. Nine players for Tennessee have confirmed positive for COVID-19. It's just going to happen. And I mean, the majority of them are all asymptomatic with maybe one person who's showing legitimate symptoms, but the majority of them are asymptomatic. And when you put those and you cluster up those people in close proximity, like a locker room like that, it's going to happen. Right. I don't, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And, you know, that's just what it's going to be. So, I, you know, to me, the sooner they get it, 
the better it's going to be because that means they'll be over it quicker. Oh, grumpy old man. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. As always, happy Father's Day. And thank you so much, guys, to the listeners and the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, you can find the Hockey Podcast Network's version of the Never Say Die podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. But, you know, thanks so much for the listeners. And thank you, Grumpy. And happy Father's Day. Thank you so much. And happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, It is a special day for you. Absolutely. Well, it was a pleasure as always, Grumpy. Thank you.